0: Greetings and welcome to a special episode of Cocktail in Comics. Uh, Tonight we are going to do, well, we're going to call it a tribute or a uh, spotlight spotlight or just a, not a tribute, it's a spotlight on on, uh, comic artist George Perez. Now this is obviously off the topic of what we normally cover, which is John Byrne, but I'm a, this is brian's idea so i'm gonna kind of let him fill us in as to why we are uh why are we why are we uh, getting together on a friday night to talk about mr perez
1: well i'm pretty sure that anybody that uh you know is, well. is, is you know you know, here for social media or anything that's aware of our show is also aware of what's going on with george perez he uh put out a notification, was it yesterday or the day before? I believe it was the day before. I think it was
0: Wednesday. Yeah.
1: That, uh, that you know, he's been diagnosed with, uh, third stage pancreatic cancer. Uh, they've given him about between six months to a year to live and that he is not going to seek any type of, uh, medical cures in, in the form of, uh, chemo or radiation therapy or anything like that and just let nature run its course. Um... That's very sad, but at the same time he just wants to live the rest of his uh, time, whatever that is, with dignity and, and spend it with his family. Yeah. And you and gotta, he had to respect him. yeah.
0: He had had he recently retired because his vision was going and he had stopped drawing, is that right? Well you know A couple he, years ago.
1: He had not really done any mainstream work for about nine years now. His last work for D C or Marvel was in two thousand and thirteen. So eight mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but, I mean, he'd been doing other stuff and commissions and whatnot, but he'd stopped all of that, of course, because of uh, the effects of diabetes that had taken yeah. on, on the system. So, yeah.
0: I think That's what was affecting his vision. That's why he was... Uh...
1: Yeah, and I think it was, he, he just stopped doing the convention circuit, and apparently he's going to do one last thing here. I don't know if he's going to do, like, one show or several shows or, or what, but uh, he does want to get out and... and Say goodbye to the fans, and that's that. Just yeah, it that just be, breaks my heart, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I only got a chance to see him once. Was at New York Comic Con, maybe five years ago. Uh, he was he was there when I wasn't there to see him, but I was there to because there was a bunch of other people there. But he had a he had a, a steady line at his table. Yeah, when I, he was there, he was a, at a
1: at a convention here at the Irving Convention Center. Um. Golly, I want to see, I mean, Christopher was very young at the time. So I'd have to say it's probably like about maybe 2010 or, or somewhere in that area. And I have one page original George Perez art from Teen Titans, I think se- issue 17. And it's a page uh, spotlighting Dr. Light. And I right. wanted to get him to sign that with my stuff. But his line was always just so long. And uh, I never could find a time to get over to him to uh, to to get him to sign. And also, of course, I, I have my son who was very young at the time and rather impatient. He wanted to meet Stan Lee and other things. And at least, at least he got to do that. And we, he also got to meet Bert Ward then. I think I've talked about that one before. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, the confluence of things just didn't didn't, didn't let it happen. Now, as far as... You know george goes i i mean i don't i've I've seen him at cons in the past i've never actually gone up to him and talked to him or anything and and it's the sad thing because out of all the the creators out there he's one of those that's always approachable and always you know has time for the fans and he he's just you know just a gracious and and wonderful guy everything i've seen read heard whatever is that you know he's just you know one of those one of those great guys that you, that you just like to be in the room with. What about you, John? Yeah. Did you get a chance to meet him?
2: I've never been able to meet him. I I don't know if he's ever been at San Diego Comic Con while I've been there, so um, <clears throat> I've never had that opportunity. I do have um, like the first fifteen or twenty issues of Wonder Woman that. Um, I got from somewhere, and they're signed, so I'm pretty thrilled oh, about nice, that. nice, But I didn't get to share with him myself how much I've loved his artwork since I was 10 years old. Where, so, where, where did you first see his work? My Well, <laughs> I, I don't remember where I first saw his work, because I got kind of introduced to comic books with, by some friends of mine when I was at elementary school, when I met these kids, and They were comic book fans, and then suddenly that world opened up to me. But I do remember um, going to the grocery store, and uh, the very first comic book that I can remember ever buying was Avengers 163, with that glorious cover of Wanda and Vision um, on the cover, and Ant-Man is growing up while he's punching them, and they're all covered with ants. Oh, wow, yeah. And that is... um, that that's if anyone asked me my favorite cover that would probably be the one because it's the one that I can remember buying and it's my first one and opening that up and that artwork inside is just amazing just amazing artwork yeah so he is one of the first artists that I know that uh, I could the, the name that I recognize I attached his name to his artwork, and I knew that it would be good. That <laughs> that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and that was that was one sixty one, right? That was Avengers one sixty one.
2: Um. Yeah, 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 161. yeah that, that, that is yeah.
1: right. Yeah. Gally, well, you you got on you got on board a lot earlier than I did. Um, you know, the the fact is, is I don't think I act, when when I was actively started reading comics. Um, I don't think I saw an Avengers comic until issue 200. That was the very first Avengers book that I bought. Wow! And uh, it, you know, I mean, so I I got onto on board very li- very late, and it was um, it was all, all several books all around the the same time. The uh, DC Comics presents 26 that had the first appearance of the new Teen Titans Mm -hmm. and um, just about that I'm I'm trying to pull it up on my uh, from Mike's Amazing World here so bear with me for a second here because that's all you know like uh, just around 1980 Mm -hmm. so it was um, yeah DC Comics Presents 26 which was October 1980 okay it was Flash 289 that had the Firestorm backup story in it. When they started, DC was doing 32-page books, and they were charging 40 cents, so they would put a regular story and then an eight-page backup story. And so, like, if you mm-hmm. got DC Comics Presents, there was a whatever happened to Sargon the Sorcerer, Z- Zatara the Sor... You know, or or Kongorilla, or whoever... And then in the Flash books, they had they had a firestorm backup story that was Jerry Conway and um, uh, George Perez doing the artwork, and yeah. they did they did that for a little while. And of course, it, you know that was again right around the time that the New Teen Titans started up in November of 1980, and that was also the same month that George Perez did uh, Justice League 184. And that was where he picked up the, it was right after the death of Dick Dillon. And Dick mm-hmm. Dillon had done the first issue of the Crisis on New Genesis, which was a uh, JLA, JSA team-up. And it brought them to, to New Genesis and Apocalypse. And so that was the very first time I'd ever seen Dark Side and all that. And that was at the hands of George Perez. So it's like all, all at once I was getting all this great art that was that was his, and I was going, wow, this guy is as good as the guy on the X-Men, you know? So I was, like, really just, you know, eating all that up and enjoying and Of course, the fact that he's doing Justice League of America, and, you know, he was on that on and off. Uh, he didn't do every single issue in a row, but he did quite a bit leading up. I think he did almost every issue leading up to uh, JLA 200.
2: He was pretty prolific on that. Yeah, there was probably a few fill-ins, but
1: yeah, and then of course he was on Teen Titans for many, many issues, and they had multiple titles of the Teen Titans. There was Tales of the Teen Titans, there was New Teen Titans, Teen Titans Spotlight, uh, the four-issue miniseries that you know did the origin of each one of the the newer characters like Cyborg and and uh, Changeling. And, uh, Starfire, and I forget who the other one was. But, I mean, you know, he was sitting there doing all of that, and just as prolific as, a, as an artist can be. But do you know what his very first book was? And I, I found this out tonight. I, I was looking all this up on Mike's Amazing World before uh, before we got on. And his very first book was Astonishing Tales 25. This is the, the book that has the first appearance of Deathlok. Mm. And of course, Rich Buckler wow. did the, the main story, which was the origin of Deathlock, but George Perez and Doug Minch did the uh, backup story. And that was his very first comic book work for professional comic book work. Wow. Yeah. And after that, he was on you know Deadly Ends <clears throat> of Kung Fu, uh, off and on Creatures on the Loose, on No Worlds of Science Fiction.
2: Um, Fantastic Four eventually.
1: Fantastic Four, he got around the same time that he was doing um, Avengers. And, of course, uh, his very first issue of Fantastic Four... uh, I mean, well, of course, every issue of Fantastic Four he did, I believe Joe Sinat did the inking. His first issue of the Avengers, 141, The Phantom Empire, was actually inked by Vinny Coletta. And you can see... I I can see Vinny's work in there. I can see his... Uh, influence on it, and I can see a lot less background seeing you would see him in, in a lot of, uh, of Perez's later work. Um, so I was looking looking through that, some of that tonight, and now I'm gonna have to go back and read the Avengers. But he also worked on an Inhumans uh, series. Yes, he did do the Inhumans for a while. So that was this, that was the second Inhuman series, right? Because Jer- Kirby did the first one
2: earlier uh, in
1: the '70s. Or I, no, I'm thinking the Eternals. That's right. I, I'm, Eternals. Getting, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm getting the, the Eternals. The Inhumans had a solo. They shared a book with the Black Widow and amazing adventures. Mm-hmm. That was done, I think, by Neil Adams. And then the Inhumans, and I think it was a '75, got their own book, which lasted for about a dozen issues. And uh, he was he was one of the artists on it. He didn't draw all the whole book, but the few books that he did drew were amazing. They were, uh, and that's why I bought the Inhumans because I was like, Oh, George Perez is on it. And the Inhumans from the fantastic four. Okay. That was really cool. I liked it.
1: Yeah. The, the, the amazing thing about what Perez did that I noticed when I was reading the justice league books was that he could draw so many characters in a, in a page or in a panel, just, he he could just, and you could tell all of them apart you know, that mm-hmm. it was just so well done. And, you know, his his design was just, he was always on model with everybody. For me, he, you know, he was like the standard of the model um, as much as Byrne was. And I'd say that he's probably, you know, where Byrne is my number one artist. He's my number two artist. But he is also creator of my favorite single comic book issue of all time, which is Who is Donna Troy?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But he's got so much other stuff in there. He did uh, the Beatles one-shot story that they did, the Beatles story in what Marvel Comics Super Special number four,
3: huh.
1: where he penciled that. Let's see who did the inks on that.
0: So I'm Tom on the, Palmer. Yeah. I'm on. Oh, I I'm on the exact opposite of the spectrum from you, John, because I have little to zero. <clears throat> uh, experience with George Perez. I didn't, I didn't collect him when I was collecting him. Uh, when I was collecting, I couldn't necessarily pick out his art. Uh, I, it never clicked with me. I never, uh, I wouldn't buy an issue because he was the artist on it. I knew of him because if you're, you know, like anything, you get into, uh, the world of collecting, you hear of writers and artists and stuff. And, you know, the, and he was, since he was mostly DC, I was not reading Titans. I wasn't reading Wonder Woman. Um, I think the first thing of his that I bought, and it had nothing to do with him, was the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And wow. I'm, I have I have some of the FF I think that he's done, and I have some of the Avengers that he's done. But... You know and to your point brian it was the i'd always heard that you know his thing was that he could draw a million characters you know on a page that was his you know that was that was like his calling card yeah and he enjoyed it yes yeah and so i i've never you know I, i acknowledge that he's he's good at what he does but he's just never for some reason i think it's lack of exposure he's he's never um Necessarily sort of appealed to me, and I and I, he's, you know, his artwork's never uh, clicked to me the way Byrne did. You know, I, I couldn't necessarily pick out a Perez uh, piece of art the way I can with Byrne or other people that I follow. So, well, to you know, me, I, I think. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was I can probably count on both hands the amount of issues I've got that he's done.
1: To me, he's he's like like I mean, again, uh, I'd say that he is right there as a. Uh, just in the same handful that John Byrne comes out of as far as artists. When you look at like Neil Adams, John Byrne, um, very early Bill Sienkiewicz, uh, uh, Brent Anderson, maybe, uh, you, you know, you, they all come from basically that same style school that say Neil Adams came out of. And, you know, they, they either went one way or another with that, that realistic bit. Um, And I think that Byrne and and Perez both went the same direction uh, as they veered a little bit away from Adam's style, but they both kept certain, certain things that I don't even think Adams excelled at. And that's like Kirby Crackle, both Byrne and Perez both had just have amazing Kirby Crackle uh, when they, when they make use of it. And, uh, you know, I mean, it just, Perez seems to excel at drawing rocks. Like, you know, we say Byrne draws, you know, great rocks and, yeah. Argo Bargo, that that Paris can sit there and do that. I mean, you look at his Teen Titans work with Terra, with um, Terra, you, you can see that he really just had perfect command of of that kind of uh, detail. And, you know, you saw that he could do the incredibly austere with Wonder Woman, and then with Crisis on Infinite Earths, he could do virtually anything. Mm-hmm. Twelve issues. His artwork, the amazing continuity in that, just the work that he and Marv Wolfman have been doing since 1980. Just an explosion in
0: twelve issues of Amazing. His, for me, is and again, it's probably lack of exposure that his artwork never seemed to have a style to it the way Byrne has. You know, Byrne has a distinct style, and other artists have a distinct style and and Perez to me came off as being very detailed and and accurate but there wasn't I didn't see, I guess again it's like exposure I didn't see Perez come through the art it just looked like a detailed drawn uh, picture to me so again because I haven't read or, or uh, enough of his stuff to really get familiar with his style or his artwork
1: yeah, I think if you, if you looked at a lot of the, the early work that he did with um, Romeo Tangal, who was his anchor pretty much all through his Titans run, and then it, uh, Jerry Ordway did the Crisis on Infinite Earth from at least most of it.
0: Yeah, um, well, who's, who's the cherry Austin to his burn? Romeo Tangal. Romeo Tangal, okay. definitely.
1: Yeah. Now, Al Vey took a turn as his anchor on his later. Uh, work in the Avengers in the late '90s and early 2000s when when George and uh, Kurt Busiek, uh did the Heroes Reborn uh, you know run on the Avengers and of course that yeah. was, it it is a, it definitely an a, uh, an evolution in his art style and his art style did continue to evolve but it still maintained that high level of detail and you know he he kept to more smaller frames. Um, on the standard, you know, on the standard page grid. Um, when you look at, at Burns evolution, as time went on, you saw that his, um, you know, panels per page kind of shrunk. So you got like, you know, four panels, six panels rather than a nine panel grid or, or anything like that. And Paris seemed to be able to stay within, you know, that particular part of his style all through his
0: career. Yeah. Well, I think Byrne was trying to be a little more cinematic maybe, but, yeah. Um, who who inked Perez on his JLA Avengers run? He did that three part. Was it three part issue? It's a, it's they, a four
1: part. A four, four, issue. four part. Yeah, I, I'm I'm having to pull that up because right now that is just. Um,
2: I don't recall.
1: It is uh, Richard. No, he did it. He did the um, all the art himself.
2: He inked it himself. Yep. Okay. Wow, that's why it took so long because that that was a massive uh, undertaking. Yeah.
1: Yeah, now, Tom Smith, who is a great inker, artist and inker himself, did the coloring on it, though. But he's also good at coloring. Oh. Now, the interesting yeah. thing about it is that, like, each issue was... Like, the first issue is Avengers... Uh, I'm sorry, JLA Avengers was issue one. Issue two, one and three. And then issues two and four were Avengers JLA. So, they... Uh, but they all came with DC as a publisher. So it's I don't know how That's they, interesting. Um, they well, you know, this was at, at, at like the golden age of Marvel and DC teaming up because we got some really good stuff at that time, including uh, John Byrne doing the um, Galactus Dark Side, uh, Dark Side story, uh, the Batman Captain America story. Uh, you know, just again, it was that was probably the best uh, time for the DC and Marvel team ups, and and these, you know, three books we're talking about were probably just the greatest collaborations that they did. I know other people like to go back to the very first uh, Spider Man, Superman stuff, but no, nah, I think this right here, you know, you've got one book where it's got a cover of Superman holding Thor's hammer and Captain America's shield. What more could you ask for as a comic book? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well oh, you had the, the Teen Titans X Men before that.
1: Yes. That, that that also is definitely up there in the top ten, that's for sure. Yeah. Walt Simonson and Terry Austin. Yeah.
0: But again, it's for me it was always it was a guy you you know, again you hear you you hear stories just from people talking about it. About how good he was. And um to a point where I, I think he was at the point where I was collecting, probably mid '80s, maybe late '80s, you know, I would say that maybe he was seen to be the reverence around him was a little higher than Byrne. Uh, that's about the time Byrne was going over because when because he was such a DC guy.
3: Yeah.
0: And I was I would find with the DC I was either following Byrne and I was reading um, Superman. I would occasionally would dip in and pick up uh, uh, Batman. Or you know, or some other things, but I, but I just missed Perez the whole time. Uh, but you've always heard about him, you know how great his artwork was, and especially especially his Titans run. You know, you always you hear that, and his I think that more than his um, Wonder Woman run. But you hear the Titans, or and of course uh, him and Wolfman on uh, Crisis. You know, and that was I got in at the very end of that.
1: Well, and the thing is, is that up up to that point um until you know you get into the 20s on teen titans george was strictly you know penciler or inker you know he didn't uh, he didn't write up to that point and then in like the, the in the mid 20s of the new teen Titans series he was coming in as as plotter penciler but it was only on select stories you know, and then he didn't start actually becoming a writer, I think, until Wonder Woman. And then you started seeing him as plotter, penciler, and then just writer altogether. As times where he just wrote the issues, and other people came in behind him and did the artwork.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and we saw that all through his uh, his Wonder Woman run. And you know, in in his later part of his career, you know, you just saw a lot of George writing stuff rather than doing anything,
0: uh, you know, doing any any other kind of art. So, well, I wonder if he was if he was like, you know, I, his Bernard said this that he thinks his, thinks of himself as a writer who draws. So, mm-hmm. I think if he was, you know, he said going forward, if you go going to do one, he'd rather write. So, I wonder if all, a lot of these artists are kind of. Closet writers that eventually get a chance to write and write their own stuff. And then if they, you know, maybe that's where their creativity really, really lies. But uh, did Vernon, and, uh, Bern and Perez have never worked together, have they? Action 600. Okay. And, uh, X-Men Annual
1: 3, I think. Uh, there's one page. Yeah, X-Men Annual 3, Fire in the Sky. It was like the first Archon, the Imperion story. And there's one page in there that that per, Perez was the penciler on the whole book, Terry Austin was anchor on some of it, John Byrne inked one page towards the very hmm. end,
3: uh, and I that, didn't that was that. the
1: first time I think that they had uh, they had worked together. It's not covered on Mike's Amazing World. It's got just Terry Austin as the anchor, but um, and
2: yeah, that was his only work on the X Men too, isn't it? To my knowledge, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like he didn't do the Legion until he did Legion of Three Worlds.
1: Yeah, and I didn't I didn't never I did I actually have never seen that. Oh um, really? Yeah. Uh,
2: it's and great I to think see he's
1: this. only done like one I mean, aside from the the future imperfect Hulk stuff, he had only done like one Hulk story which is in the Rampaging Marvel Treasury Edition Rampaging Hulk number twenty six. It mm. was a, a Wolverine Hercules story. where We actually just did the inking on it. That's got a cool cover. It's got Modok on the cover.
3: Hmm. Uh, but <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. What? Well, go ahead. No, I would just say I've got. I think you gave me his Titans run, didn't you? That's this. He did. Yep. He do the. Uh, the. What you give me the the. Uh, the Judas contract? Yeah. Is that is that him? Yeah, that's him. Okay, and he gave me those issues, because I know those issues are always held up as being, you know, kind of the best of the best. Um, So, uh, I I kind of need to sit down and, and read that. And I'm sure I've read some of his other stuff, or you know, or, or looked, you know, looked at his other stuff. But um, I just, I, I'm just not, you know, it's, it's, I'm just not familiar with him, and I you know, I kind of—I think I was kind of lucky to see him that time at Comic Con. I never got his autograph. I just kind of—I saw him because his line was always—he had the probably the longest line in the little artist alley they have there uh, at yeah. the Javits. Uh, and I think he was probably the biggest name, even though there was Claremont was there, Boba Cloud was there, Mark Bagley was there, um, and some others. And Perez had—and maybe it's because he doesn't didn't go to cons as much, but he had the longest line always there's always a crowd around his table.
1: Yeah. And and you know, I I it, we're already at the the top of the hour here. I know that you have to cut it short here. Yeah,
0: I got I got to jump here. Um,
1: I you know, I th- I think we'll go ahead though and and you know, just if you have any any last thing you want to say about this. I mean, you know, Tim, I'm going to start helping you with
0: other books and stuff, I want you to read. That's fine. Yeah, get, you expose me to it. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes sometimes you don't appreciate things because you haven't been, you haven't read them. You know, it's not like, and, and it's not like I'm saying, oh, he's a, he's a bad artist. I don't, I don't like him. I just, you know, he doesn't do anything for me, so I don't really have an opinion on him. I under, I, I from what i see, I understand he's he's. He's very good at what he does. He, but. he
1: elevates the story every time. There was yeah. a, a, a DC Comics presents, is, of course, a Superman team-up book, and so every issue was, you know, Superman getting teamed up with one hero or another, doing different things. And uh, for the most part of them, they're just kind of, you know, secondary stories, much like what you would get from Marvel team-up. Yeah. But there was, um, and of course, I'll always you know, point out the Jim Starlin run where Jim Starlin and Len Wein worked on the books and they actually had very cohesive stuff that was really, really cool. But there was one issue that George Perez and Len Wein did uh, around 1980 that uh, had Superman teaming up with Omec. And it basically is what James Cameron must have used to make his Terminator story. Because the the future group whatever sent back Murder Mech a robot from the future to the past to kill an ancestor of Buddy Blanks, a guy by the name of Norman Blank.
3: Mm.
1: And so Omac comes back in time, and he and Superman wind up fighting first. Again, Len Wein writing the story, so he's Marvelizing it. But yeah. you know they, they wind up fighting it first, and then they team up together to fight the bad guys.
0: And, I think we discussed that. It seemed would we discussed that when we covered our OMAC. Yeah, and, and Back uh, to maybe. the Bins has covered that one too.
1: So it's it's, it's one that gets a lot of play because it's a, a really, really good book and very good art. It's uh, I believe it's Perez and Pablo Marcos. Oh, but nice. But, of course, the other thing I wanted to draw attention to beyond all this was Logan's Run, which John had the, the fortune to cover with uh, Back to the Bins recently. Mm-hmm. And so he did the first, what, five issues, and then six and seven were follow-up stories yep. that had nothing to do really with... They, they were just new stories they did before the Logan's Run people said, wait, what are you doing? We, we only wanted you to do the, the movie. Wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But, um, I mean, the work in that, that was Klaus Janssen doing the inks, right? Uh, on the Logan's Run stuff?
2: Tom Sutton on one of them, mm-hmm. and I think it was Tom Sutton on one and Klaus Jansen on one, yeah.
3: Yeah, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah, Klaus
2: Jansen doing the inks, and it with the artist in the last issue, he just did not do well. Ah. It's not nice at all. But but, uh, but yeah, he uh, Perez did the 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 uh, movie adaptation, and that was that's a beautiful uh, piece. And like I've said a hundred million times, and I'll keep saying it, I really really wish that Marvel and MGM and Nolan and Johnson. Uh, heirs could all come together to um, print this in a trade and get us a really clear, you know, fix the, fix the colors from the originals. And
1: is it not uh, even available on like Marvel Unlimited?
2: Um, I don't know because uh, I don't have Marvel Unlimited. I don't know if it's on there. Probably not because just too they would many have the rights pay for it, and yeah. MGM holds the rights or. The Clayton Johnson or the the Nolan estates hold the rights. I, I don't know, but um, there's so many people out there. I would love to see this just collected as a trade because it's yeah. such a beautiful beautiful work. So
1: listeners, I I'm curious about you guys. What were you know aside from the things that we spoke to spoke of? What are your favorite stories that that Perez did? You know, is there something you know the something maybe he did in his later years or whatever? It looks like uh, Tim is going to drop, but I think we're going to yeah. go ahead and, and, and close up the show
0: anyway. Um,
1: did you have anything well, you, and, you, you and, wanted to say, and
0: John? Can, well, I just know, I mean, I, I, uh, like like any any good collector, I probably need to uh, read more Perez and, and kind of can re reevaluate him. Um, and I, you know, I want to, you know, my. My heart goes out to him. You know, it's it's a tough thing what he's going through, and his family, and his fans, and yeah, uh, it's tough for anybody. But um, uh, it, it's you know he, he's it's it's nice that he's got stuff. You know, he's got a uh, he's got a nice uh, he's got artwork left behind. He's got work that you know people can enjoy. You know, after he's gone, yeah. So that's nice to leave something behind.
1: The outpouring of love for yep. George this week has been amazing. Just you know, it it. it it makes me feel good that you know, for the most part of this week, for, for the last couple of days, all I've seen is really nice things that people have said about George. Yeah. You know, and and it's it, that's a testament to just how nice a guy he is. Um, I, I've never, never, ever heard a negative thing about him. So it, you know, it just goes to show uh, what, yeah. what a good, what good, what a good guy he is. And I, well, I would welcome. just like to say to him thanks, but you know, I don't think I'll well. ever get the chance
2: yeah i I would love to tell him thanks as well just so that he could hear it again but uh i'll send it to him in spirit and across the energy waves whatever uh he is so appreciated uh for his artwork and i'm just gonna kind of throw a little monkey wrench in and (laughs) mention one of my favorite stories from him that people just bag on all the time what's that and it's Fantastic Four, 185, 186 with the Salem Seven. I love the Salem Seven design and I think he only he can make it happen. And <laughs> people hate the... Or they, they just get on the Salem Seven because they have a stupid weakness, which is true, but I love him, And I love that book that he was in. And to me, the Fantastic Four, even, even the, the Burns, or I mean the uh, Paris Sinat Fantastic Four issues mm-hmm. supersede and artwork to me even burns issues. I just love his artwork on them. Stories, yeah, maybe because they were of their time, but they were still fun and I just love the artwork there. Um, uh, probably, if not more than Burn, it's, it's their neck, they're so neck and neck that um, it's hard to tell because uh, his artwork on there was just wonderful for me.
0: Well, good artwork can always elevate a poor story and I don't think a good story can ever elevate poor artwork because that's the advantage of a visual medium because if it's good art you can kind of slog through it and even if it's a bad story but if it's bad artwork I don't care how good the story is it's just hard to get through it So you
2: it, you're right, it, it kind of is um, uh, artwork can elevate a story that is less than ideal I have different yep.
1: thoughts on that but I don't think this is the place to discuss it because I'd be going off on some talking about somebody else
2: uh, well, well, let's pin that for another yeah. comics and cocktails episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we but we want to thank all uh, y'all
1: for listening in. Uh, if you haven't listened to our regular show, Third Degree Burn, we talk about John Byrne. Uh, we've gone through uh, hundreds of—I don't know how many books we've we've covered of his in the past six years. But we've been doing, uh, you know, podcast. Uh, quite often about the works of John Byrne his older work uh, his new work on his fan fiction X-Men Elswin. check us out at 2TrueFreaks.com uh, 3rd Degree Byrne and uh, we of course have the Facebook page as well you can write us at gottagetburned at gmail.com or on our uh, we uh, on iTunes or as it's called now Apple Podcasts uh, we yes. would like to hear from y'all. Um, you know your your thoughts and feelings about George, um, and you know what, yeah. what your favorite book was, or what your favorite you know piece of art was.
2: Hey, hey, and let's extend that that challenge from the last episode, where if you do a four or five star rating, you get to pick a book we review. That's right. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> that is right. And maybe we would even do a George Perez book.
0: I have, yeah yeah. You want to pick? a If you give us a five star review. We'll pick. You'll you'll let you pick either burn or a Perez book. Yeah. In fact, why don't why do we why
1: don't we uh, alternate during you know the next year? <laughs>
2: sure, absolutely. And you know what? You know what? Um, uh, lovely listeners, let's make Tim read some George Perez. So uh, <laughs> yeah. send in your five star reviews and your Perez uh, requests.
1: <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great. I, I like That's that right. idea. Well, thank you for joining us for Third Degree And be we'll burn. start with the
2: Salem 7. <laughs> <It was> okay. <Monday.
1: laughs> Set the bar high. All right. Well, wow. for Third Degree Burn, I'm Brian Hughes. You've got Tim Elliott here. Say goodnight, Tim. night. And John Hyatt. night. Take care.
3: Just wanna watch the world burn.